You're listening to the Go-Getter Podcast. I'm your host, Candice Janae. I'm a digital marketing and automation strategist and business coach and the founder and CEO of Epic Fab Girl, a membership community helping Christian women market and monetize their God-given ideas as they grow deeper in their faith. So whether you're just getting started or you already have an established brand as an entrepreneur, this podcast is going to drop gems, bringing you tips and strategies from experts to help you take your life and business to the next level. Let's jump right in to today's episode. Hey, Go-Getter, welcome to another episode of the Go-Getter podcast. I am so excited about today's episode because it gives you a behind-the-scenes look into Go-Getter Conference, which we host every single year. And this particular episode takes a snippet of a conversation, actually the entire conversation. That's how much we love y'all. We're giving you a moment of Go-Getter Conference from September of 2022 and bringing you into the room. And I'm telling you, it was such a powerful time. It was such a powerful moment. And so this episode is just a moment from that So stay tuned and listen in. Today with Marshawn Evans-Daniels, who is a phenomenal business coach, and she's going to talk all about believing bigger and living bolder, the secret to tribe building. So we're in for an amazing treat. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then I'm going to give the floor over to Miss Marshawn Evans-Daniels. But I always like to know who you guys are learning from because Marshawn is seriously a powerhouse. And I remember the days when I had no idea who she was. And then when I found out who she was, I'm like, how did I not know who this amazing powerhouse is? But let's get to it. So dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for the amazing women that are part of this community, for all of those who are listening, whether they're listening now or later, Lord, we just pray that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence into this atmosphere to literally have your way and shift mindsets so that each woman here can walk in the purpose and the calling that you have for them. So we thank you for what you're doing. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to give you guys a snippet of Marshawn Evans Daniels' bio, but she is so much more than her bio. She's literally phenomenal. Marshawn Evans Daniels is a reinvention strategist, crypto investor, and millionaire faith and business mentor that helps women turn ideas into income. A former pro sports attorney appearing regularly on CNN, Fox Business, and ESPN, her clients range from Rolls Royce, HP, Nike, Home Depot, Accenture, and Erston Young to everyday dreamers seeking to find their voice and maximize their potential. She is the author of Skirts in the Boardroom, Believe Bigger, and the number one best-selling devotional journal, 100 Days of Believing Bigger. And of course, that is her bio. But I, I quickly want to say, like we had Marshawn speak at Go-Getter Conference back in 2018 in Atlanta, and it was just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Like if you've never heard Marshawn speak in person, get to an event where she is in person. So Marshawn, we're going to bring you to the stage. Thank you so much for joining and being here with us today. Hello, 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 ladies. Hi. Hi. If you're, if you are on camera, even if you got a headscarf on, it's okay. I just like to say hi. How you doing? These profile pictures are fantastic and fabulous, but I am so excited to see you. I'm honored to see you. I'm honored to also be invited by Candice. 
I believe in her. I believed in her the very first time she actually invited me to her event here in Atlanta. And I love seeing how everything is not only grown, but it was a special day. It was actually an intimate size in terms of the audience. But I firmly believe that God does big things through small, what seem like small seeds, but we know what the Bible says about mustard seed faith. And the thing that I remember most was her level of dedication, excellence, and her passion for the women that were in that room and in that space on that day. What I also recall, what I also remember is a word that God gave me for her. Now, I don't remember the actual word, <laughs> but I do remember being led to and then her being open to me praying for her and over her. And I take that very you know, sacred, truly. And it's just been an honor to watch and to be able to have a sideline seat. Y'all have a front light seat, front, front, a front seat. <laughs> but it's just been an honor to see that. And what I appreciate also about Candace before we really dive in, but I think some of these things are actually relevant to what we're going to talk about, is I also appreciate that she is a woman who believes in honor. And I think that in this generation and in this day of microwave success addiction, where we feel like because we put up a really pretty website and we got the nice pictures and maybe even we invested in ourselves, there's a level of arrogance, I believe, that has taken place in this entire industry of coaching and entitlement more than anything. And with that, sometimes we can forget to kind and put ourselves in position to receive even better mentorship than what we could ever hope for. And so I always want to be an advocate for whatever Candace is doing. I think that her desire to honor people is reflective of how she honors God and how she shows up for other people. And I believe it is something that will give her longevity. I've been in these life changer streets for 30 years now. I just got the gray color. You don't know the secrets. <laughs> And so I just want to speak life over you, Candice. I want to speak destiny, purpose, and prosperity over you, over everything that you touch, and that everybody who is connected to you would have the humility and the honor of recognizing the caliber of who they're connected to, where you're going will also be a catalyst for where they are going and growing, and that you would experience overflow in this season like never before in the midst of all of the doom and gloom, all of the things that they're saying is happening in the economy that you can choose. And those of you who are here, I invite you also to choose to opt for non-participation in what they say is going to be a recession. And so I just speak overflow in that each of you would learn not just what Candace teaches you, but learn from who she is, how she shows up. It makes people like me want to support her, to clear their schedule. And that's the kind of person that you want to become, and perhaps you already are, in order to build what I believe is waiting for you, which is an empire. So Thank you, gracious God, for this day. Thank you, Candice, for the opening prayer and the words and the kind introduction and for being here. And let's get right into it. You know, I wanted to start out by telling you a story about me sitting on the living room floor of my home. It actually wasn't my home. My mom heard this story once and my dad too. And they're like, it really wasn't your home. You got to live there. You didn't pay rent. <laughs> but I was 11, year old, 11 years old growing up in the suburbs of North Texas and I'm sitting on the living room floor at that hour where it's not quite 
dark and it's not quite, you know, the day the sun is going down, it's that dust time, the street lights are just about to come on and I'm people watching. Now there's not a lot of action happening in the neighborhood in my home or in my, in, on my street, I should say, but I'm people watching and I see this woman walking down the street. Now I know who she is, but I don't know her name. I know where she lives. So we literally lived in a yellow brick house <laughs> and with a sidewalk and it was a nice, you know, middle-class neighborhood. And it's the eighties. Yeah. I, it's actually the very end of the eighties at this point. And so I see her walking and she is walking really briskly. She's kind of a shorter profile lady, but she had long hair. I used to call her Pocahontas. I just gave her that name in the neighborhood. She's a Caucasian woman, long hair, past her tissue, and she's just walking really briskly. And it was even more dramatic to me because she was so short, <laughs> both her hair and her walk and how she was swinging her arms. And I'm looking at her, but knowing she can't see me because I had what I call blind faith. And the reason I had blind faith is because my parents had told me that we could see out of the window, but nobody could see in. Now, many of you are not old enough to remember blinds. Maybe your grandmother still had these when you were visiting your grandma, but the blinds we had on the window, they kind of felt like aluminum, right? Now we've got these nice fancy shutters, but they kind of had like a, I felt like if I could put a magnet on it, it would stick. It didn't, but that's kind of the texture that the blinds had. So the blinds were there, but the windows I thought were tinted in such a way where no one could see in and we could see out. So I'm staring at this lady. And then all of a sudden she walks, as she's walking, she stops at this at the house across the street from us. And she stops and she stares directly in my direction. And I'm thinking, doesn't matter. She can't see me. And you know, you aren't going to win a staring competition with an 11 year old anyway, right? Kids do not break stare. And I wasn't going to be the first one to do so. So then she does something that totally kind of confuses me and wigs me out. She walks across the street, up our walkway and rings the doorbell on our yellow brick home. And I'm thinking now, am I in trouble for staring? I know it's not polite, I know it's not ladylike. I know it's not what we're supposed to do, but she doesn't even know I've been doing it. And why is she here? And so I hear my dad in the back of the house say, I'll get it. And I'm a daddy's girl. And I know if I'm in trouble for staring, it's not going to go down while I'm in front of this woman. So I nuzzle my head underneath my daddy's arm while he opens the door. And our neighbor proceeds to explain that she needs a babysitter and that she's in a hurry and wanted to know if I was willing to fill in for the job. So my dad looks down at me. And I look up at him and I say, sure. So I throw some shoes on and we proceed to exit the house, walk back down the sidewalk, across the street, two houses over and then up her sidewalk, up her walkway into her house. And during that time, she explains to me how to make sure that her house does not burn down <laughs> and that her kids don't end up in child protective custody while they're in my care. And then she is gone. Like this is super fast handoff. And now I find myself watching two kids that I've never met before, but I've seen them play. I've seen them play outside. Obviously I'm older, which is why I'm able to babysit them. And I'll, I'll just kind of fast forward about two hours later. I think it was two hours. Now, all of you are old enough to remember when you were 11, right? Yes or yes. So you don't really, you know, two hours felt like two years when you were 11. So we're going to say it was about two hours. When she comes home, I'm just going to fast forward to when she comes home. I hear the garage go up, the door open, her come in, and she says, how did things go? And I said, well, 
in that pause there, I had a couple of things I could have said. What I wanted to say was, you know, you raise baby's kids. You know that your kids never, ever, 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 ever need to have sugar ever again. But I was way too polite and too well-trained to say that. So I said, things went fine. And she said, well, I didn't have an opportunity to stop by the bank. And so she reaches into her back pockets of her jeans, and then she pulls out these crumbled up bills. And she goes, I, was, I didn't have an opportunity to stop by the bank. I have this one and this five, which do you want? And I found myself staring again, but at this time I'm staring at a choice. And she asked, which one did I want? Now, what I really wanted to say in this situation is, what do you think I wanted to say? <laughs> both. And truth be told, I had actually earned both. I mean, look, I filled in on short notice. I watched two kids who didn't know me for the very first time, put them to bed and cleaned up her living room, right? Now that I'm a mom, I'm a mom to triplets and that putting kids to bed is like a trophy moment of each day. I certainly believe I had earned at least both, if not more, but here I'm staring at this choice. And I said, some, I was about to ask for it. And then all of a sudden something made me feel guilty for wanting both. And maybe you felt that feeling before. It's that gnawing feeling that says it's inappropriate. It would be rude. It's that uncertain feeling where you start getting butterflies. The words that you want to say don't actually come out. And so I said, I didn't want to, in my head, I was like, I didn't want to feel like I was being too much, asking for much, doing too much. So I said, I'll take the one. And she said, are you sure? She actually pulls both back and says, are you sure? And I said, yes, ma'am, I'm sure. So she takes the one and she gives it to me. She takes the five and she puts it back in her back pocket. Now I took that $1 bill and walked back out the house. My dad was already waiting with the front porch light on, walking me, watching me walk back down her walkway over two houses across the street up the walkway to our yellow brick home. He gives me a hug and asked me how it went. And I showed him my dollar bill. And I was very proud of myself because I earned something that day. I earned, it was actually the first time I had been hired. And I was proud because I earned an honest dollar for an honest two hours, approximately <laughs> time worth of work. And it wasn't just that I was proud. It was also a moment that I remember almost like it was yesterday, all these years later. So I learned some pretty important things that day as well, which is primarily the number one lesson I learned was this. If you allow yourself to settle for less, no one is obligated to stop you. And I'd love for you to write that down. If you allow yourself to settle for less, nobody is obligated to stop you. I mean, I, as we said, had likely earned more, but I had never been hired before. So I hadn't thought in advance what my compensation should be. And so many of us as women entrepreneurs don't think in advance as to what our compensation will be because we love to give, to serve, to help, to take care of people, to clean up other people's messes. And then we just hope that they will see their value. You see, the reason why I went above and beyond cleaning up a house that was already messy when I walked in, making sure that the kids were well taken care of, playing, and I wanted to have a peaceful environment at 11 years old was because I wanted her to see my value. 
I wanted her to see my extra effort and my extra work and to tell me I did a good job, to give me the pat on the back, to show her appreciation. And then I hadn't even thought about compensation. It actually probably would have been even better if she hadn't asked, if she had just not paid me at all to make me choose between what was already less than the value of what I was doing merely by being present, taking care of the most prized possessions in her life. And, but she didn't. And so if you allow yourself to settle for less, nobody is obligated to stop you. You do not get what you deserve. You get what you ask for. You get what you ask for. You get what you negotiate. And here's the other thing. You get what you say yes to. You get what you say yes to. And the question is, have you ever felt that way before where you feel nervous about charging more, asking for more, being more? Am I the only one? This is a real question <laughs> that requires a real answer. Have you ever felt that way where you feel a little bit nervous? And if so, which I am not asking it because I don't know the answer, I'm asking it to ask you to actually take a moment and a snapshot because I know that when I don't believe that my life is a coincidence, an accident, or just a happenstance, that when I show up into a space, my expectation is that people who leave never leave the same, that their life, eternity, destiny, and prosperity goes to a whole different level. And so you can lock in with that frequency if you like. So I'm going to ask you again, have you ever felt uncomfortable? Have you ever felt like it was a little bit too much outside of your range where you felt like you were guilty, that it was inappropriate, unladylike, not like a believer, not like someone who loves God to actually ask for more, particularly more money? Because if you want to build an empire, you've got to get really clear about your Achilles heel. You got to get clear. I say about your Achilles heel because I have a, a stress fracture in my Achilles and it's a small little thing. You can't even really see it on an x-ray, the little stress fracture. And it's those little stress fractures, the Achilles heel in our higher vision and our ultimate purpose that we default to and explains why sometimes we are the ones who hold us back and not other people. See, I'm not mad at her. I'll never be mad at her. She was one of my greatest teachers in that moment in a matter of just two minutes. And the reason why, I want you to ask yourself, the reason why, and I believe the reason why, we settle, we shrink, is because how we see ourselves determines what we see and sees for ourselves. Okay, how we see ourselves determines what we see for ourselves and what we seize for ourselves. All right, I have a question for you. Have you been loving today's episode or maybe you've been a loyal listener for a while and still haven't had an opportunity to share how this podcast has impacted you? If so, I want you to go ahead and drop a five-star review. We wanna hear from you. We wanna hear how this podcast has impacted you. And this does us a huge favor, not just by letting us know how we're doing, but it also lets others know that they should also be listening to this podcast. So do us a favor, drop that five-star review and we'll get back to today's episode. And so that was a powerful lesson to learn at 11 years old. I'm actually really grateful that I learned it and that I actually did make something. And now as a grown woman who's raising three incredible girls, I have a lion over here behind me. 
<laughs> because I feel like I'm a lion. I believe I'm a lion. I, I act like a lion. I've chosen to see myself like a lion. It doesn't mean that I don't always see myself as a cub on occasion or in certain moments. But now I have a greater reason to see myself as a lion because I'm raising three little lion cubs. I gave birth to three girls, three baby girls in a span of six minutes. And so every two minutes, a new baby came out. And it was in a matter of two minutes that I settled for less. And so my question for myself now is why would I dare allow myself to settle for less when I have so much more. I have more than my grandmothers and my grandmothers, mothers, grandmothers who didn't have the opportunity to build what we have an opportunity to build today. They had to take what was given. It wasn't an option. Do you want the one or the five? They didn't even have something that felt like paper. It was a coin for a full day's work. How dare we choose to settle for less when we have so much more? How dare we choose not to use our voice and speak up when they weren't even allowed to ask for permission to go to the bathroom? Sometimes I think we forget that we are walking in a blessed time to be a woman, truly for such a time as this. And so what is my point? What does this have to do with our topic today, which is believe bigger, live bolder? The secret to tribe building. What does this have to do with business? I believe there is a connection between belief and building. A connection between belief and building. And here's what I have learned. Here's what I have learned in building a multi-million dollar company from scratch. And when I say from scratch, it's not because I didn't know anything. It's because I had lost my sports agency. I, I managed NFL and NBA players, WNBA players, Major League Baseball. I had started my sports agency and I signed the highest paid defensive end in the NFL as my first client. I'm in my 20s. I'm a less than two years out of law school. And he had just signed a $62 million seven-year deal. And that's my first client. And then my first corporate client is Rolls-Royce and then Nike and then Tiffany and company and then Gatorade. And this is within the first few months. I'm coming out of law school. I don't know. And Facebook was brand new, y'all. <laughs> this is how long ago this was. And I hadn't had any experience in management and representing other people. I was in law school. They don't teach you about colors and top shelf. I had to learn about top shelf liqueurs and liquors because not only was I working with Rolls Royce, I was doing events, high-end, high-profile events. And so I built the largest, fastest woman-owned sports agency. Let me say that again. The largest, fastest-growing woman-owned sports agency in less than a year. And I closed all of that down to build a life as a mom, a bonus mom and a wife to a man that I later found out six days before our wedding that he was cheating on me. And so when I say I built the business that I have today from scratch, <laughs> it was me thinking and choosing that relationship that I had chosen more. It looked like more. It looked like more, but it ended up leaving me with less than less. It left me with bills for wedding dress that wasn't going to be worn, wedding dresses, flowers. If y'all haven't been married yet, the amount of money you spend on flowers for wedding reception and the wedding itself is just beyond imagined. And so I have learned a lot about business in a lot of different ways. I've been on The Apprentice. I've been in the Miss America competition. I have built the brands for NFL and NBA players. Some of my clients back then have won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for the foundations and the charity work because I managed everything for them off the field. 
And so what have I learned in transitioning from building a client base, a blue chip client base with some of the top corporations in the world? I mentioned some in that sports space, but also corporate clients like Office Depot, Home Depot, Ernst & Young, Delta Airlines, Pitney Bowes, Ford, Toyota, Nike. I've been to the headquarters at Nike to speak on branding, <laughs> the kings of branding. What is the connection between belief and building? Well, here's the most simplistic way I'll describe this. And here's what I want you to take away. If you're with me, say yes. People buy what they believe. People buy what they believe. And they also reject what they doubt. So I'm going to say that again. People buy what they believe and they reject what they doubt. And so that time when I was, you know, infidelity and betrayal, there are blessings in there, but those blessings don't come until you have to get through the broken parts, the broken ego, the broken soul, the broken betrayal of trust. It's one thing when somebody drops you. It's another thing when the person who drops you is the very one who is supposed to catch you. And why am I even bringing this up in a talk about believe bigger, live bolder, the secret to tribe building? I used to be scared of this story, thought it wasn't relevant. It's like, I'm an expert in branding, business branding, marketing, and sales. I'm doing commentary for CNN and ESPN. In fact, less than a week after I find out my fiance is cheating on me and I call the wedding off and the wedding's not happening and all the people who already had their ticket came into town and he leaves. And they leave. Now he left because you got to read the book. <laughs> you got to read the book. I'm not going to go off on that today, but I will tell you if he messes up, ladies, you keep the ring. I was tripping. He didn't take it. Thank goodness, because now I'm going to need money back up in case I don't know how to pay my bills because I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I gave up my entire sports agency. Here I am, this Georgetown University trained law uh, lawyer managing this agency. I turned all of my clients over. And I used to be scared of this story. I used to be scared and thought it was a sign of weakness to tell this story. And I said, well, I'm an expert in business, branding, marketing, and sales. CNN would introduce me on saying that she's mastered the art of personal branding. The Bible says, let another man praise you and not yourself. When you can see how other people see you in an area of expertise, then it's time to monetize it. And people were picking my brain. And also the mortgage company did not care that I was on a spiritual journey with God to find myself. I had had this encounter with God one day, actually the day that the, the day after everyone who came in town for wedding week was scheduled to leave out. And I'm leaning up against this vehicle that he had purchased me, this luxury BMW vehicle that he had purchased me that now I don't even know how I'm going to be able to afford. And on one of the busiest streets in Atlanta, I hear God say, well, first I asked God, why did this happen to me? It wasn't a woe is me. It's like, hey, I'm your daughter. You know me. I know you. What is happening? This is way too dramatic. This is way too big. This is disrupting way too many lives. What is this about? Why did this happen to me, God? I'm leaning up the car that against the car he bought me. I let all of my guards down because even my dad said he felt it was safe. It's amazing when serpents slither into your inner circle. And he said, you're going to be able to change the lives of women like never before. And I was like, couldn't you have sent me a memo? 
Could you not have given me this in some other way? And here's the truth. After that, everybody's like, oh, I saw this and I saw that and I had a feeling and I didn't want to say anything. And I'm like, you know what? I maybe one person, actually a male that was like a brother that I grew up with, is probably the only person who actually had a clue. And the truth is, I don't think anybody really saw anything. I think everybody was captivated by the smile. And some things that are some of the hardest things that we deal with can make us to feel guilty, can make us to feel shame. And that shows up in everything that we say and everything that we do, whether we realize it or not. Now, I said, I want to be, I'm, I'm known as this business branding marketing expert. I'm doing television. I'm being asked help people. People started picking my brain. They were like, how did you get the clients? How did you get the, how did you get the highest paid defensive in an NFL? How did you get on ESPN? How'd you get them on SportsCenter? I was on SportsCenter. How'd you get them in Sports Illustrated? And how'd you build this agency so fast, so quickly? How did you get speaking engagements? How did you get television? How did you get a book deal? I had my book at the time, Skirts in the Boardroom, came out in 2008. How'd you publish that? How, 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 how? How did you get corporate clients? I had corporate clients since my early 20s. I've been speaking for pay since my early 20s. And so six figures. And so I said, people are picking my brain. I'm going to hold a seminar. But nobody knew that I was rebuilding my life for another, let's see, 10, for another almost four years. I didn't talk about this story. I built from a standpoint of external branding. I had the messaging type. I could tell you, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's how you fix it. And there came a point where that even felt uncomfortable. I won't say it wasn't profitable, though. I crossed over into, I think we were knocking on the door. Nope, we had crossed over a million dollars. We had crossed over a million dollars by this point. But I remember there being a point where I was about to launch a, a solo event called Speak for Pay. And I had just met a guy who ended up being my husband, but I had just met him a couple of weeks earlier. And it was about in about seven days from today, <laughs> but 10 years ago, it was in September. And here's my point where I'm telling you this. I remember it because I was launching this, this Speak for Pay promotional webinar, like a preview event, a webinar. And it was called Launch Your Speaking Dreams, I think. And I had a whole talk planned. I had the pricing planned out. I was going to charge $997 to attend. Now, my very first event that I did in 2010, I charged $1,497. I didn't know what a sales page was. I didn't know what the buttons were. I thought the buttons were special. I didn't know about a funnel, an upsell. I, did, I barely had money to hire a graphics designer or a web designer. I was in the back uploading my own graphics. The buttons on that sales page were buttons that I made in the equivalent of Word, what was in Apple called Pages. I was making my own graphics and building all of those pieces and learning. I didn't know what copy meant. I was like, why are you copying people? I didn't know that's what the words were that go on a page. I didn't know any of this. I needed to pay my bills. I didn't have the luxury of saying, I don't have enough. I don't have it all together. And so it didn't even feel like it was bold to charge $1,497. It felt like, what do I have to lose? And some of us are so comfortable that we we have too much going on that we're not worried about disruption coming into our lives. We think we have more time. 
And what I will tell you is that when you delay, you dilly dally and you play smaller than the level that you're supposed to be playing at, but you keep praying for more than you're praying for God to disrupt you. I'd rather move when I feel the future calling versus giving God all these reasons and creating a list for him of all the things that he needs to do before I move. And so I charged nine, I was going to charge $997 for this event. We're already a couple of years into the business. The company's growing. Things are going well. I did this event so that I could pay my bills. People were picking my brain. I said, I'm going to charge for brain picking and I'm going to charge in bulk. And the reason I charged $1,497 for that first event called Me University was because I saw some Caucasian guys do the same thing. And I was like, I know as much as them. It was not a science. I didn't have a mentor. And so it's the day of, it's the morning of, I got up, I was in my prayer closet. I've got the, I mean, our whole campaign is built. The sales page is done, the funnels, the emails, the team is set. Everybody's got, we're ready early. I wake up that morning We and I said, God said, raise the price. Now at this point, I have a mentor. I have invested $12,000. I invested $12,000 in a high-end mastermind. Oh, this was 2012. Okay, so this was two years after. We were, okay, we weren't yet. We weren't yet at a million dollars. We were around $750,000 in revenue. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So my mentor and all my training had taught me how to build the perfect brand message, which is what I was used to. I was, I was teaching other people how to do this. And I, I said, I called my team. I called my, my online business manager first. And I said, so we need to make some changes. This was fresh out of my prayer closet. We need to raise the price from $997 to $1,497. And whatever other instructions I gave them, I gave them very clear instructions. The entire team readjusted, changed everything they needed to change, all the emails, everything. I spent the day walking and prep for the message. And the message that was following the formula that my coach had taught me and that I had done before and that had worked well, all of that started going out the window, but I was like, I'm going to do a little bit of what God's telling me to do. But then it showed up and I don't even think I looked at my notes. And in tears, I said to people, I said, this is what I'm trying to do, y'all. And I'm not trying to, I'm not even talking to people who just want to be speakers. I'm talking to messengers. And I shared the story for the first time that I hadn't wanted to and hadn't planned to. And I was fighting it every step of the way of talking about infidelity. And I can tell it today because it's been over a decade, right? (laughs) But here, it's only been a couple of years. And it's embarrassing to have to tell people that me, the Georgetown trained lawyer, the one that they look up to, the one that is on CNN, And actually, if you go to YouTube and you look up some of my ESPN videos, especially the one me talking about Tiger Woods cheating on his wife a a week after my fiance, I found out that he was cheating on me. You'll see my eyes were red and crying, had to roll out of bed to go and get on television and suit up and talk about infidelity and how he could rebuild his brand. And I shared the story. And I'd never cried in public like that before. And I remember that Friday night, it was probably like a Monday night. I used to do Monday night to open up the cart and I would close it on a Friday for the first, before the price would go up. I remember it was a Friday night because Jack, who was then this guy I was dating, wasn't even like an official boyfriend. He said, do you want to go out? And I was like, no, not on the cart is closing kind of day. (laughs) You can come and hang out. We can do a Netflix and chill. This was back when Netflix was still CDs. 
And he, he came over and I remember the cart closing with 62 people enrolling. And I thought at a high end, I was aiming for 50 people. It would be like a workshop. And I had already booked a room. And I was like 62 people at $1,497 at $1,500 a piece. I was blown away. And I remember telling Jack, who is now my husband, and he said, wow. I remember him sitting on the same red couch where I felt like a pillar of strength the night before my fiance was going to fly in. And that, that oak tree moment that I had feeling turned into a weeping willow just 24 hours later. He was sitting on the same couch where I thought that I, well, I felt so foolish. And another man is sitting here who is telling me this is incredible and I'm proud of you. And here's what I learned in that moment. And for that the reason I'm telling you that story is because that was the eye opener for me about how you don't just build a business, but how you build a tribe how you build a community, how you build something that creates a level of connectivity that nobody actually ever wants to disconnect from because they found something that they didn't know what they were looking for. You see, people talk about speaking and speaking for pay. I was talking about being a messenger. A messenger is someone who is a carrier of something that heaven has given them, who knows that what they're doing is more than just a talk with a check at the beginning or the end. They know that they're actually doing destiny work and they've got a story to share. Is that anybody who's listening to me? Because that's what resonated. And because I believed in what I believed was important, I changed the title, the identity. It wasn't being a speaker, it was being a messenger. Now that sounds fairly simple or, or light maybe, but in the moment, when your belief is that strong, I said, people buy what they believe. They also buy into who they believe in. And they buy into people who believe in what it is they're giving voice to. They believe what they're building. Now, here's the thing that always fascinates me is that I believe that Noah is an exact example of this, that he believed what he heard God say, and then he began to build it. But people's faith was so small. It was so small that they wouldn't even build, they wouldn't even step onto it when they could see it being built. And many of you may have been in that season where you've been building something and you're wondering why people don't see it. And I actually believe this is a shift time that the people who are building and building this infrastructure and building with integrity. And look, there are days where I had zero sales. <laughs> There are days where I had low sales and I'm watching my counterparts who are doing these cheap tricks, who are speaking words and not speaking from voice. And there's a deepening in, in, in experiencing rejection. But here's what I've also learned is that what I believe cannot be communicated without vulnerability and transparency and that your transparency is key to your prosperity because otherwise you're going to sound like everybody else out there because somebody else does what you do. Somebody else does what you do. How do you distinguish yourself then? The reason why I've called this believe bigger, live bolder, and I've said people buy what they believe, they buy into who they believe, and they buy into who believes in what they're actually building. I have a question. Do you actually believe in what you're building or are you just building because you don't want to go back to your job? If you've learned anything from this podcast, I know you're going to love the Go-Getter Confidential Click at gogettermembership.com. It's a global membership community for Christian women entrepreneurs to connect, build wildly profitable businesses, and grow their faith. 
Whether you're just starting out with an idea and wanna learn how to properly start your business, or you already have an established brand and want a better market to increase your income, the Go-Getter membership will help you take your life and business to the next level. With expert masterclasses, monthly prayer, and tons of courses and downloads, your business will be better off because of it. Entrepreneurship is not easy, and we know that, but this community will help you go from feeling stuck to clear and motivated and walking in another level of purpose. Join today at gogettermembership.com and save 50% off your first three months when you use code podcast at checkout. We'll see you inside. Because there are people who are really struggling. I love that we make multiple seven figures a year. I get to do it from this office and this computer. I built my first few seven figures really with doing teleseminars. There was no video <laughs> with teleseminars. Free conference line at that. I chose to use a free conference line the entire time so that people would know you didn't have to make it too complex. But do you really believe what you're building, why you're building it, and in whom you're building it for? Because there are real people who are dealing with real brokenness and real challenge and obstacles and really need to pay their bills and are really coming out of depression. You see, the thing that I love more than the money that we make are the messages that I get when someone says, I didn't take my life today because of something you said or you wrote or a word or realizing that my mess was really a message and it's a supernatural mission. And here's the reason why people may not be buying from you and rocking with you or why things might be stagnant and stuck. Maybe you're still stuck in your superficial identity of the pretty pictures and all of the right things that the coach says that you need to do the way you need to do it. Maybe you're giving them what they already see because it's easy for you to do it because it feels safe. Are you doing that? Because if you are, you don't need to call yourself a life changer. Maybe you shouldn't be in the business of helping people because people don't need what looks good. They need what is good. They need someone who's been through something. And one of the reasons I think that people don't build a tribe naturally, effortlessly, and elegantly is because you haven't presented something big enough for them to buy into. Have you presented a vision, a mission that is big enough for them to rise into that calls forth their smallness and gives them a glimpse of their greatness? Have you given them something big enough to actually believe in? Or are they settling for less because you're giving them a cheap, recycled message? Is it the language that looks good because you got it from somebody else's website? Somebody else made money at it. And so you're going to take the crumbs off the table of their work, their effort, their choice time, the table that they said, even if, you know, a lot of people, let's just say someone has spent their time with their creator and has gotten this glorious message and you can see the grace on their life because you can see the growth. Now growth, not everything that grows is good either. There's a lot of, there are a lot of people with large messages, large brands and big money who have cheap souls. And you need to be very careful of who you align with <laughs> because you can go to someone who's very successful, be out of alignment and you get nothing. You still struggle. 
because you're not supposed to be there anyway. You went because you liked the Lamborghini, not because there was anything connected to your actual legacy. And that can impact how you show up, what you say, what you see, how you see yourselves determine what you see for yourself and what you seize for yourself. Are you giving them something big enough to grasp? Are you giving, are you actually striving towards something that truly is bigger than you? Or are you settling for less by simply just doing what's available, recycling messages, recycling solutions that you see other people doing? Now look, that'll get you started. That will get you out of Egypt it will not get you into your promised land. And so what's the difference? What is it that we need to do? I believe there's a difference in having, being exceptional, having an exceptional vision and mission versus having an average one. Is yours exceptional versus average? Let me define it for you. Average means that it's informational and it's findable, meaning I can find that somewhere else. I don't think anybody can find Marshawn Evans Daniels somewhere else. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll get some glimpses, but it will be a small portion because they're so much bigger than me. And I'm talking about my daughters. Maybe a glimpse. I said, you know, I remember that aspect for your mom, but my declaration is people will see things far beyond me. They'll see my mother. They'll see my grandmothers. They'll see all of the women who didn't have an opportunity to do it. I got to do what they will do. But if it's findable, it's average. And exceptional is what gives people something big enough to believe in and to go into, but you've got to be bold enough to be exceptional. Exceptionalism isn't just about your skill. It's not just about how your brand looks. It's not just about even specificity and clarity, exceptionalism requires these four elements. Number one, it requires that you're aspirational, that you've created a solution and an ethos, an environment, a picture of another person's future that you believe that they can step into, that they aspire to actually have. And what I don't, what I don't believe about women is that they just want to make more money because I don't just want to make more money. I believe that women who are ambitious want to make more than they've ever made before. And they want to do so in such a way that God says, that's my girl. That's my girl. She defeated all the religious garbage. She tackled the, the things that came to silence her. She is looking forward to having her own planes, not so that she can just flex on the gram so that, that she can take resources and need to other countries and the people who are starving. <laughs> that's what I believe. That's what I aspire to. That's an example of aspirational versus informational. Informational would be, I teach you how to make more money with funnels. I teach you how to make more money with ads. I teach you how to make more money in your business. What a cheap message. Is it informational and findable? Is it recyclable? Can you find that somewhere else? You can't, no one can find what your actual vision is because God only gives it to one person. It contains the unique DNA that is connected to you because you're an extension of him that doesn't exist anywhere else. He needed a part of him to be made manifest in the earth through you. And you're giving an option and a message and a tone, a sound and a voice as because you saw somebody else do it. How dare you shrink and settle? and sell some cheap messages when the 
battle scars that you've survived and that you've been through were anything but cheap, right? And so an exceptional message is aspirational. It's also inspirational, meaning inspiration is God-breathed, meaning it gives people a bigger vision, more desire. They start to get creative. Is your vision aspirational and is it inspirational? Is it something that people want? And then does it inspire them to actually think about even more? Does it open up the gates for them? Number three, is it invitational? Meaning, is it something that is inviting that people actually want to be a part of? Because here's the thing, people don't want to be a part of you. They want to be a part of what you believe. Belief is the most powerful force on the planet. And the third aspect of exceptionalism is, is your vision phenomenal? Meaning, is it for somebody to go from where they are to what you're saying is possible, would it be a phenomenal transformation? Remember, I said people buy what they believe in, they reject what they don't, but they also don't invest in what doesn't invite them to believe big enough. Is it average? or is it exceptional? And it wasn't until I embraced transparency. It doesn't mean that I'm a bleeding heart. It doesn't mean that I'm treating my life like a diary on social media and showing people everything from what I had for breakfast to every obstacle that I'm going through. No, I didn't talk about this for years because it actually wasn't time yet. And this is part of the maturity of understanding. When is it actually time to share something? Because you can actually rewound yourself, by the way of sharing something that you're still in the middle of trauma. Best thing that I did for myself is counseling therapy for two years. In the beginning, twice a week, because I could barely get out the bed. But I believed in my destiny. I believed I was significant enough. I knew that my life was not my own. Not that I was arrogant to think that I was important. I just knew my life was not my own and that I needed to be okay to one day be okay and that nothing was going to take away future marriage, future children, future money, future islands, future planes. <laughs> because I'm Mary's daughter. I'm Mary's little lamb. I'm Pearl and Lindell's granddaughter. Pearl, Lindell, and my great aunt Effie had to clean toilets. And they had to raise other people's kids who were not the same color as them and wipe their booties and clean their poop because it was the only thing they had available to them in the South. My heart was broken. I'm devastated. I don't want to get out the bed. It was snot. It was not pretty. It was, I don't know if I bathed in several days, but I knew my life was not my own. And it was enough to put just to get out and brush my teeth that day and then maybe brush my teeth. And then, and what I'm saying is you sometimes, you need the time to go through and heal. And then you don't need to speak from a place of wisdom when you're still in the middle of the wound. And if you're having trouble getting out of the wound, then go get some wisdom with some people who can help you that may not be pastors and they may have a gift from God with just a different title to be able to help you to move forward. Because when you do that, you're going to be able to have greater impact. And so I always like to talk about mental health. I always like to talk about us taking care of ourselves. I always like to talk about us taking care of the thing that God gave us to steward first, which is our body and our mind, and then our mission. And so is your message exceptional? And I don't believe it can be 
if you're not willing to embrace the adversity, if you're not willing to embrace the disruption, if you're not willing to embrace betrayal and actually to embrace transparency. Now, look, you will find your way of telling your story. I can tell it differently than I did the day I told it for the first time. I can tell it actually with a smile today. But just a few months ago, I did a podcast interview and I have no idea where the tears came from. I was like, man, it wasn't actually that part of the story. It was the feeling of not knowing how I was going to pay my bills. And that feeling of not knowing how I was going to pay my bills, I needed to remember how that felt because the news says we're going into a recession. I need to remember how the women who are gathered around this Believe Bigger moment, who are members in our community or readers of our books or someone who's going to scroll one day and find an invitation to a Bible study from me or someone connected or someone in our community or in our tribe. I need to remember what it feels like to not have a 24,000 square foot house. I need to remember what it feels like to not make seven figures. I made $2 million in an hour at my last live event. I need to remember what it feels like to not know how to sell anything, to not know what a web page is and to be building my own graphics in the background and to be in the bed, snotty, not sure if I can get out of the bed and to be hoping, praying to God that I could just make enough to cover the mortgage and the light bill because I don't want to go back to my job as a lawyer. I have way too much pride <laughs> to go back to anything. And so... The thing that has helped me to build a community, to build a tribe, is to believe bigger, first and foremost, in my significance, in my relevance, in my story, in my uniqueness, in my journey. I call, I go by the title reinvention strategist because I've done a lot of different things in my life, starting from a very young age. But I know that that's a destiny thing, that most people overstay a season that they're not supposed to be anymore. And if you allow somebody else to tell your story, you may not like the way that they tell it. And so, yes, I've done several different things, which has given me access into places and spaces that most people never go to. I call it obedience, <laughs> not a disorganized living. And the thing that I believe helps people to connect is when they feel like they trust you. And people don't trust you because of what you know. They trust you because they believe you care. When you can enter the conversation happening in their head, when you can relate, I don't have, you don't have to have had your wedding called off six days before to relate to what I just said, to have a level of empathy, to have a level of gas, like what? To be able to imagine and enter into that. And people do not have to have your experiences either. See, I used to feel like I didn't have like this rags to riches story. Be very careful about being sorry about what you don't have because you don't want to have that story because <laughs> it entered into my life. And the truth is, is that when you're telling things that are monumental for you, my experience of that $1 and $5 moment at 11 years old has been life-changing for me forever. And as I share it, I will always share. It will probably be in almost every book I ever write because at 11 years old, it relates still not only to me, but to other people and the decisions we have to make about choosing to not just believe bigger, not just to believe I can make something or make more, but that I can operate an overflow 
to live bolder. And only you can choose what is less versus more. Only you can choose what is less versus more. How you see yourself, what you seize for yourself, what you say to yourself about yourself. And then how do you invite your audience to dare to believe bigger? Are you living bold enough to invite them to live bolder too? Or is your message just average? Is it exceptional? Exceptional is who God is. It is who you are. And as you gain some essentials with a messaging that really is really clear, right? The fundamentals are, yeah, you need a message that is clear that says who you are, what you do, and why you do it. That why you do it is your higher vision. See, I believe that entrepreneurship is the new faith movement. I said it for the first time in 2011. And I watched as corporate people in the room, because I had this corporate client base still, HP, Office Depot, Home Depot, Delta, Delta Airlines, Ernst & Young, and CNN was my media partner in my second, not even a full second year of business. It's still really my first full year. And I watched everybody nod their head. The first year I was even scared to pray at an event that I was paying for. I'm the host of it. I paid for the room and the food. <laughs> Second year, I said this out loud. I'm watching these corporations hold hands that we doubled in size, tripled in size of the number of attendees there. And I watched everybody say yes and nod their head to that vision where I said entrepreneurship is the new faith movement. I didn't say it because I had really put a lot of thought into it. It was what I call now a guiding belief system. I felt it. And I've learned now to lean into words that sometimes God isn't going to give you what it is that you're supposed to say and share until you're in front of the audience. The word says in Luke 12, 12, I will teach you at that time what you should say. I will teach you at that time. And Moses didn't need courage for a mission he wasn't going to step into. He didn't need to know that he was going to be facing a Red Sea and certainly didn't need to know that it was going to part if he was never going to actually walk towards the burning bush to begin with. And so you need a message that is clear, that tells what you do, who, who you are, what you do, and why you do it. That why is your higher vision. You need a higher vision that's an ethos that people can bond with and buy into. You need a method or a model, something that is unique and signature to you so that people intellectually have a reason where it's not just spiritual, but it's also in truth in terms of here's what you will gain and glean. You need specificity around a business model or some kind of a unique method. And then lastly, you need glue. <laughs> and the glue is the real reason why people come and they don't wanna leave. I was just on the phone with a client of mine who was the first woman that I helped to become a millionaire, LaShawn Holland, and met her in 2011. And I won't tell you what we were talking about, but I was about to, but it's 11 years later and we still work together on and off. People should go grow, but I've had that kind of, the tribe isn't just how big your program is. We're, we just launched today our membership, well, a Bible study that will give people an opportunity a week from today when the Bible study happens live to join our Destiny Collective. Last year it was the first time that I really just did a Bible study in almost 11 years. And we had, I thought maybe a couple hundred people, maybe a hundred, maybe 50, I didn't care about the number, would actually sign up for this membership because I wasn't teaching business. I was teaching principles from Believe Bigger and Bible. 1,400 women in 72 hours. I didn't even see for myself that. I did, <laughs> I did not. And the grace of God is this, even when you see yourself as not prepared or unready or not enough, 
God will do some amazing things sometimes to show you this is not only what you were built for, but this is where I'm taking you to. And this is the lane you need to stay in. And so don't treat this whole thing of, I got to elevate my identity as an idol and become, treat it like a project. Treat it like a, an invitation from God. Where God is saying, daughter, I see you. You are made in my, you were made by my hands. And because of that, my hand will always be upon you. And so it was a nudge. It was a reminder of like, wait a minute. Why did I, now what's good is not having, not, not turning your, your goals into idols where it had to be a certain number and it had, but let me tell you, when you do that, things go really, things go beyond what you can imagine. And so this last thing around glue, and then we'll close out here is what is the real reason why people, why their lives are better when they walk with you? Can you answer that question? not because they got a pretty logo. Can you answer that question? And you may not have the answer right now and that's okay because I'm asking you a question that requires you to actually live bolder by digging deeper, to take time to really sit with that, to deepen your actual self so that you have deep waters for people to be able to swim in like an ocean versus you being a pond or even worse, a puddle. Quick answers generally aren't destiny answers. What is the real reason? And your real reason will solve what I call the weirdo snowflake complex that people have, where they feel like nobody understands them. Their situation is different. They don't have anybody that they can connect with. But when you can solve the weirdo snowflake complex, you've been able to communicate the real reason why people's lives are better or will be better, how their future is more prosperous, it's clearer, it's more bold, it's sweeter, more beautiful when they're connected to you. Can you answer that question? When you do that, you solve the isolation problem. And that is the simple secret to try building. It's truly daring to believe bigger and live bolder. I could have just given you a simple formula. You need a message. <laughs> you, need, you need a vision. You need some kind of a model, you know, business, nah. Nah, not for the thing that you're called to. You need to get back into the heart of your story. You need to get back into the reason why you're here. And nobody should be joining any business, any programs that you have without knowing your journey and your story of why you've created this and not about you, but how your story changes theirs. That's how you build a tribe. That's how I believe I've had longevity in this space for 12 years and why I try to be a safe place for coaches, leaders, thought leaders, life changers who are leading women, helping to lead women who lead women. Because sometimes we don't have a space to be and to receive what we are for other people. Let's take a quick break from today's episode to hear from one of our very own Go-Getter Confidential Click members, Allison Hampton of Living Chronic Faith. And I just wanna encourage you, if you are not part of this membership, there is so much more uh, where this came from. We have uh, workshops and masterclasses uh, throughout each and every month. Uh, Candace meets with us and does prayer calls. Um, and there is, if you are not a member, you're not ready for membership at this moment, there is still an opportunity for you to connect with this community on Monday mornings. We have a Monday morning prayer call every single Monday. And it's an amazing way to start off your week. It is that no charge to anyone and you are welcome to come in, invite a sister friend that you know needs to start her week off that way as well. 
And so information on that will be forthcoming, but we just want to encourage you to stay connected, uh, stay connected with like-minded women of faith who are after the same kind of goals and who are also pursuing the heart of God, just like you are. That's all I wanted to share with you. Have a wonderful rest of the day. I'm excited to learn and grow with you all. God bless you. So now that you've heard from Allison, I want you to join us inside the Go-Getter membership to see all about it yourself. Head over to gogettermembership.com and use code podcast to save 50% off your first three months of membership. And while you're at it, head over to gogetterpodcast.com forward slash prayer to get plugged into our Monday morning prayer calls that Allison mentioned. Either way, we'll see you inside. So I'm just inviting you to more. I'm inviting you into higher. I'm inviting you to think about business outside the way that the internet marketing world has polluted the purity of helping people into simply paychecks. Now, don't disregard the paychecks and don't disregard the strategy, but ask yourself, are you elevating above what's already out there? And if so, you're living beneath what God has for you. These things will get you out of your Egypt, but they won't get you into your promised land. And so I invite you to believe bigger and to live bolder. And only you can decide what is more. But I will tell you that you can choose non-participation when it comes to averageness. I'm going to say this over and over again, probably for the next couple of years, because of what's coming in the economic markets. You can choose non-participation in, the, in this, this, what they're calling a recession. And by choosing that early, I became a millionaire when everybody else was putting money under the couch. So I want to invite you to your next seven figures, your next eight figures, your next multiple six figures, and the path to whatever you want to take, take you by daring to believe bigger and live bolder. The tribe will come when you become exceptional and not just average. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for having me. I know we went over. I did chat with the person, saw the message. So we can, I can still take a couple questions if you like, however you would like to go from here, Candice. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, let me say one thing. Yes. Let me say one thing about Thinkific. So I met Thinkific, the CEO in 2015, because I was looking for something awesome for my clients. And I had a service that we were using that was cost me a lot of money to run. I had to have a team to run it. And most of my clients didn't have that disposable income. So I was looking for something that was more affordable and effective. And when I emailed in, this is how small Thinkific was back then. They said, you know, you should probably talk to our CEO, Greg Smith. And I was like, really? The CEO? We got on the phone. We chatted for over an hour and a half. And he did a seminar and a webinar, private one for my clients. And I was like, this thing is amazing. And so it took a little while for us to migrate. I actually introduced Thinkific to Infusionsoft for the integration because I said, I can't do this yet until you all integrate with Thinkific or with Infusionsoft. And so I've had quite a journey. I was one of the early adopters, probably if not the first Black woman on the planet, one, on the planet, <laughs> the first Black woman on the planet. The, the platform, the first Black woman most likely on the platform. And it's been a great experience for my clients, but I also appreciate how they've always taken care of me. My husband has switched his business and his content over to Thinkific and our clients use it as well. And so they take great care of us. I love their customer service. I love their personality, their personalization, but I also love how they champion Black women. I love how they 
they're humble enough to let Black women lead so that they get it right. And so they've been a great partner for me, and I'm so glad that they have partnered with Candice, and they're offering, I believe, a two-month complimentary trial. And I said that when you're connected to people, you're operating in their overflow. That is not a normal offer. I know because I've been with them for six years. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I've seen a two-month free trial. So you, I would encourage you, if you have something that you're looking for that, and you need something that's more simple, to consider it. And also, I have no hesitation when it comes to their service, the quality, the updates that they're doing and their training. I think it's exceptional. And so that's not, I am very particular with my words and with my endorsements, but they're my partners. They can, I consider them a partner in what I do for my clients and how they've supported my company. So I want to thank Thinkific for sponsoring this session, for making it possible for me to be here. And I know you all are going to have a fantastic time when y'all gather together in person for the Epic Fab Conference. And as the world continues to open up and my girls get a bit older, can't wait to see y'all in person one day soon also. Yes, love that. Absolutely. And Thinkific is amazing. I just dropped the link to the free trial in the chat. And for those who may have a question, you can just raise your hand and we'll be able to take however many questions that we have time for. So I think I scared them. <laughs> but honestly, Marshawn, you pour so much. Like, and, and I'll say this is like, I not only, you know, have brought on Marshawn to speak on my platform a couple of different times, but I've invested in being in her programs. And so I think there's something important in the very same way that she was talking about is like, when you're tapping into what God pours into someone else, like you're literally tapping into that overflow for yourself. And so Marshawn is an amazing coach. She's an amazing speaker, but y'all don't be scared. She's, she keeps <laughs> real. That's one of the re things I love so much about you, Marshawn, is that, you know, you over here talking about seven figures, multiple seven and people like mouth wide open, but it's like, you are an amazing black woman and you're yourself. Like you do not switch it up to try to be like anybody else like you're literally authentic to who you are so thank you thank you do not be afraid one one i'm curious while we, while we take this question i'm, I'm going to ask an assignment of everyone i would love for you to share if you're open to it and y'all are just starting to get to know each other right because the live conference hasn't happened yet correct Okay, so that's why y'all a little bit shy. You don't know that you're connected to your crew, that some of the people in the Zoom right now are people that you're going to be doing joint ventures with, partnerships with. You're going to have new besties, new crew members for the rest of your life. You don't know that yet. But part of the way you start to foster that is by using your voice now. And I'd love for you to share what one of your biggest takeaways were. I have gotten used to silence in this regard because sometimes something, I'm assuming something was said, not by me, I just happened to be, you know, the messenger today that is causing you to think differently. So I'd love for you to share what, what you're thinking differently about, what resonated with you today, something you wrote down and saying that out loud, following the leadership that's asking you to do that, Put you in a flow. These are what I call holy habits. That you're operating in alignment with the flow of what's actually happening now. Most people will watch. Now, I've been doing this for a long time. I've helped a lot of people, several hundred people to become millionaires. 
And what I've always experienced is that people who recognize a moment and act in it are the ones who continue to flourish beyond the moment and create actual momentum. You haven't just bought a ticket to an event if you're coming to Candace's event. You weren't just coming to watch a Zoom today if you think it was just a Zoom. I am here to open up portals to destiny. The Bible says, is the last thing I'm gonna say, the Bible says in James 1 and 17 that every good and perfect gift is from above. The Bible says, not I said it, not a guru said it, but God Almighty and the Holy Spirit has made it very clear that nobody can despise you because of how you are designed and made. And if they do, they didn't come from above. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift is from above. So how God gifted you, how he made you, how he formed you, how he fashioned you is truly from above. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Go-Getter podcast. If you love this conversation, you're going to love the panels and workshops that are at Go-Getter Conference. It's our premier event of the year and it happens annually. It's going to help you market and monetize your God-given ideas and connect with women from across the globe. Head over to gogetterconference.com to check it out right now. And just for staying until the end of this episode, we have a special gift for you, the Go-Getter Plan and Profit Workbook. This workbook is gonna help you plan your income for the year. So head to gogetterpodcast.com forward slash plan and profit to get your copy. And don't forget to drop a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you on the next episode of the Go-Getter Podcast.